literally what is worse than knowing that you had this life and you did not live up to your potential. You did not impact as many people as you can impact. You did not build what you know you could build or had the potential to build all because you wanted some temporary sort of comfort, right? Because that's all it comes down to. It's either you don't do it because you're afraid. And if you're not afraid, then you're living within your comfort. And what is that temporary comfort if you're going to die in the end? That's how I look at it. Hello everyone and welcome to the CEO Journals podcast. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of talking to Christian Johnson. Christian is just 18 years old and having started his entrepreneurial journey at the age of 12, yes, you heard me right, 12, he has been able to mount huge success and he's only just getting started. In this episode, we discuss the troubles of being an entrepreneur at such a young age and how to be taken seriously by those older individuals that you may come across. We also discuss the strategies for growing a social media marketing agency, the value of time and how to get the most out of every single day, and so much more. Do not underestimate Christian. He's extremely knowledgeable in his field of business, and I can guarantee that you will learn a lot in the next hour. So without further ado, let's dive straight into today's episode. Enjoy. So hello everyone, welcome back to the CEO Journals podcast. Today I have the pleasure of talking to Christian Johnson. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me. No, couldn't thank you more. It's my pleasure. So for the listeners who don't know who you are, do you just want to give us a 60 second introduction of who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. So I'm an 18 year old entrepreneur from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I have a digital marketing agency, Clique, which primarily focuses on the roofing and solar industry for lead generation. Um, and I also have a couple other side businesses as well. Um, but dropped out of high school, you know, started my business way back when, started freelancing at the age of 12, just doing like Instagram growth, things like that. Um, progressed it, uh, you know, we can kind of dive into that later, but had some family issues come up, some personal issues uh, that, you know, caused me to drop out of high school and really take the business full time and start growing it. So, No, I can't wait to dive into that. Obviously, at such a young age, you've been able to amount a great amount of success, which is obviously going to be very inspiring to a lot of the listeners because that's obviously what they want to do, yet they could be in the age of like mid-25s, late-30s, yet you're doing this at the age of 18, which is unreal. Um, So the way I like to start all my shows is to throw it back and ask my guests about their experiences with school. So Mm -hmm. how did you find school? And did you um, do anything that helped you contribute to your success, whether that may be a sport or a club you attended, anything along those yeah, lines? Yeah, for sure. So um, actually, you know, my relationship with school is, uh, is pretty funny. So I was a, I was a great student. Um, I, I didn't mind school, um, but I always had the mindset of like, what am I doing here? Like I knew that it wasn't going to get me to where I wanted to go. Um, and so I did do, I did volleyball, which I wouldn't really say like helped contribute to anything. It was more just, that's how I looked at school for fun. So I would skip a lot of school. Like I had like 40 absences in school, like a year, I mean, out of 180 days. Um, and I would use volleyball as like, Hey, like I'm going to show up to school today because if not, I can't play in my volleyball game. So it really more just like kept me engaged. I had to do stuff to get me engaged. Um, I always, like I said, I always knew it wasn't going to get me to where I wanted to go. So I knew that, Hey, like I'll just, you know, I'll get through it. Like, so I, I sort of like morphed to just, make friends as kind of like the class clown. Like I just tried to make it as interesting as possible, but 
morph away from the actual school aspect. So like, you know, I've always, whatever situation I'm in, I try and adapt to like, Hey, how can I make this work? Uh, so, so school was no different. It was just, how can I make, you know, it fun and engaging is pretty much what it comes down to. What do you think the reason was for your low attendance? Why did you not like attending classes? Was it because you didn't feel they were valuable or you just didn't get enough out of them? So I, it wasn't even just classes. Like I, it, those were full days that I didn't show up to just didn't show up to school. Um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of, I was doing other things. So um, whether that be traveling, uh, I missed a lot of days for traveling, but I would also take days off of school to go and sort of like, at the time, I didn't really know what it was for, but, and you know, I, I appreciate that question. I never had that before. So it's, a, it's kind of causing me to think on my feet, but a lot of those times, like I would actually take days to go do things. So um, like, for example, like one day I went to um, like court with my dad to like see that side of things. So, you know, my parents were always very sort of supportive in that sense of like, Hey, like, you know, let's sort of get you into more real world experiences as well. So I think that's more of what it was um, traveling, you know, doing things, uh, showing up, you know, the days that I weren't at school, I was either at home, like either playing video games or working. Cause at the time, you know, I, I thought I was working. I was really just kind of mm-hmm. BSing around like, you know, with a couple clients here and there but, or I was at my parents' business, um, things like that. So it was, it was getting the real world experience with it as well. I think that's really interesting because obviously with most parents, they, with their kids, they're very much go to school, go to college, get a, get a degree, go out, get a job. But the fact that your parents actually wanted to show you these real world experiences, such a young age, things that can't, school can't actually teach you in the first place. I find that actually quite interesting because my parents, my parents are very much the same, but obviously I went, I went to school. They're very much go to school, do this, do that, but they did try and show me other aspects of life, which I found. Yeah. But I find that really interesting about your parents. So sure. when did your entrepreneurial journey start? Cause you're obviously still very, very young, but you've managed to amount this success in such a short period of time. So it can't have been that long ago. Uh, so surprisingly it was, and I, it's funny. So at the age of, so I made an eBay, eBay account at the age of nine. Um, to actually like, you know, purchase some things. And uh, I was, I was like big into like Xboxes and gaming at the time. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, it's funny. So what actually happened to me was my Xbox. I don't know if you remember the Xbox 360 or get the, uh, the three ring of death. Oh, God. <laughs> so, so what happened was I, um, you know, my, my parents had a, an automotive shop, uh, like a couple of automotive shops. So the, you know, my dad's like great with like putting things together, taking things apart, fixing things like, right. That's what he does. Um, and so my Xbox broke and like went online, like was researching things. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, it says, do you buy the parts on eBay? So I made an eBay account. Uh, anyways, like, you know, my dad like tore apart my Xbox with me. We fixed my Xbox. Um, so I actually started like kind of like buying and selling broken Xboxes with my dad. We'd buy broken ones, you know, fix the three ring of death and sell them. Um, I sold movies on eBay. Um, like I would go around the house and whatever, you know, I have three older sisters. So they move out of the house, they leave things there. <laughs> so I would go around the house and sell whatever was there just to make the money, <laughs> whatever they left behind, I would put on eBay and sell. So that was kind of my start, um, very early start. But then, uh, for me specifically, right? Like I grew my Instagram page to back in like 2012 to like 20,000 followers, which if you had 20,000 followers back on Instagram in, in 2012, like it was like having, you know, like 2 million nowadays. So I'd have people reach out to me and DM me and they'd be like, Hey, like, how do you do this? Can you do this for me? Um, and actually had someone reach out and we're still very close to this day, like very close. I mean, we talk a few times a week. 
Um, and he's like, hey, like, you know, I work for this company called the DuPont Registry, which is a, a big automotive magazine here. He's like, can you help us grow our following? Um, and I'm like, oh man, like the DuPont Registry, you know, this is like a huge company, like a magazine. And I'm like, yeah, sure. He's like, um, okay, so what do you charge? And at the time it's like a hundred, I told him a hundred bucks a month. And I thought I was like on top of the world, you know, and he's like, okay, cool. So paid me a hundred dollars a month through PayPal. Uh, I thought I, like I could take my friends to, you know, like Chick-fil-A or McDonald's and like pay for everyone. So I thought I was like, I thought I was the man. Like I thought I made it. Um, well, that's what I got my start. Just so like growing Instagram pages, um, through like my, and I'm super passionate about cars. I'm a big car guy. So is the, that's kind of how I got my start and morphed into that. Um, that led me to like, just get out of it in the digital marketing space and keep learning and keep progressing as a client. Be like, Hey, your Facebook ads are really working well. Like, can you do that? And I'd be like, cool, let me see what I can do. Um, so it's always just like, again, like being thrown into that situation and adapting and moving it towards, you know, where we are now. No, that's super interesting. Do you, so your parents ran their own business. Do you think that obviously helped massively when you were starting out? Cause you obviously sort of had some guidance. They knew what it was like to run a business and that was always sort of what it was like in your family. So you didn't have that parent doing a nine to five telling you to do the nine to five. They actually ran a business themselves. So were they more encouraging you to go towards that route or did there at any point they say, right, that time to get a nine to five, that sort of thing? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, super interesting. So, uh, when I was growing up, so my parents started their business, their business a, a year before I was born. Um, you know, they, they didn't have much at the time started the business and the business really took off, like really did well. So, you know, we were kind of living like that high lifestyle, like, you know, we were living great. You know, we had a great life. My parents built a great business. Um, and then the economy collapsed and everything went downhill. Uh, my parents ended up filing for bankruptcy, things like that. So, at the time, it, like, so to answer your question is, depending on the situation, they sort of morph their answer, depending on the time frame of that. Because like when everything was going great, they're like, oh yeah, like, you know, like, like business is great. But then sort of like, hey, like, look, like I was able to see the rise and the fall of the business at a young age. So I kind of like saw what not to do. I saw, I saw the hardships. So I'm like, hey, like, it's not easy. You know, like I saw, you know, yeah, you know of course, like the decline of, of a business. So, um, they kind of changed that over time. But they, the one thing is they were always supportive of like, Hey, like whatever you want to do, like, you know, we're here to support you. Um, they, they just more, they want me to create my own path. Well, they didn't really push me in any direction. Um, it was more just like growing up, they were all like, okay. Cause I was very, very serious. Like I was doing things from an early age. Like, you know, I'm like 12 and I'm making a hundred dollars a month, but it may not seem like much, but my parents were very proud of me for that. Like, Hey, like, we know he's going to be just fine in whatever he does from a young age. And that's something that my family has always, always told me is like, I've always just had that drive. Um, but they've changed their, their answer on that over time. They, there was a point where they were like, Hey, like, you know, you should go to college. I want to be an investment banker actually. Um, they're like, yeah, like, you know, that's great. You should go to college. You should do that because you see the, the, the struggles of what can happen in a business declining. No, that's super valuable. Um, so how did you initially find balancing the work with school and then you dropped out, am I correct? Yep. And then, so what led to that? Yeah, for sure. So at first, I mean, honestly, like I don't, I'm, you know, super truthful. Like I don't remember like really balancing it out. It was always just natural to me. I mean, it was like, uh, so it was a funny thing. So my school ended at 250 in, in middle school actually. Um, and I was like super into stocks at the time. So uh, I would come home and the market closes here in the US at, at 4 p.m. Eastern. So I'd come home 
uh, I'd get home at about 3.15 and I would have like an hour where I would like sort of like swing trade stocks on like a fake stock account. Um, but like, instead of like coming home and playing video games, like that was my fun. So it was never really a balance. It was always just like, that's what I enjoy doing. Um, is it from, from the start, you know, before uh, yeah. I took it very seriously. Then what happened was um, I lived in Pennsylvania, about an hour outside of New York City and an hour outside of Philadelphia and um, in a middle-sized town. Um, and my parents filed for bankruptcy and, you know, they were kind of like ashamed of, because they were, you know, they were pretty well known in the town. They built a successful business. And, you know, when you're, when you're like that, you know, a lot of people know you and, and they respect you. And they sort of felt ashamed. So we moved down to Atlanta, Georgia and moved to the South. So I moved down there, you know, my parents just filed for bankruptcy. I knew no one. I actually, my girlfriend now, I knew her um, and one other friend that was in the area. They lived about an hour away. So uh, it was May when we moved down there. So, um, you know, every other summer you're hanging out with your friends, you're playing video games, you're doing whatever. Well, we moved down there. I have no friends, you know, knew no one. So I didn't have friends to hang out with all summer and my parents were struggling. So I'm like, Hey, look, like, you know, what am I going to do? Like, I'm just going to put all my energy and channel into trying to, to create a business. Like I'm going to try and, you know, grow because, you know, my, now my parents are struggling financially. So I, I want to be able to like keep living the lifestyle. So I'm just going to try and, you know, do what I can to put out there. And man, I just got like so fired up because it was like that huge, like environment change in life that like sort of just, you know, like looking back, looking ahead, you know, like I had like anxiety, like leading up to that of like, you know, there's a huge change coming to my life, like knowing I was going to move for about like eight months there. Um, and so once it happened, it's like looking back, like that was the shift that really, it got me out of like the small town mindset and, um, you know, like the, my day-to-day -day routine that I was used to for my entire life and everything being comfortable and familiar into like, Hey, like this is completely unfamiliar. This is, you know, completely outside of my comfort zone. So this is what I'm going to do. And so spent that summer actually like building the business. Um, so then when it was time to go back to school, <laughs> I, uh, back to high school, you know, brand new high school, um, starting my junior year of high school, went for the first day and I was like, can't do this. Like I was interacting with business people all summer, you know, at the point I was probably making, I mean, I don't even remember the number, probably make 1500, two grand profit per month. So, you know, it was good money, but nothing like, oh, I should drop out. But I, the first day I go back, I'm like, I'm back in, you know, I went from that summer with like business people and like one of my clients, you know, was, um, very successful, like showing up to meetings in his Lamborghini. Like I see all the possibility out there and then I'm back in a classroom and like there's kids next to me like, oh, like this party, that party. And I'm just like, well, what is this? Like, this isn't what I want to be doing. This isn't, you know, it was, it was kind of like BS. So the second day back to school, I, uh, I take, you know, my school bag and my backpack in the morning and I'm like, I always had like this weird, uh, not weird, but you know, this dream of like just showing up to the airport and going anywhere just showing up, no agenda and just going and like, that's like the ultimate freedom. So I, I was like trying to prove a point to my parents. I had gotten upset and like, I don't want to be doing this anymore. So took the, my books out of my book bag and, you know, my school supplies and filled it with a, just one change of clothes. And I was like, okay, I'm leaving for school. And instead I actually drove to the airport instead of school and um, got on the next flight I could find which was to Miami. So I actually ran away from home for the day, uh, which, you know, proved like, like kind of like proved a point to my parents. And um, from there, it just led to, you know, like doing online school and then eventually dropping out. That's super cool. <laughs> did you, what did you, how was your parents, how did your parents react when they found out that you went to uh, Miami and came back? <laughs> yeah, not, not great at first. So when the, the plane actually got back into Atlanta that night, um you know how as soon as i was all the way in the back yeah. of the plane i booked this ticket like two hours before leaving you know 
So the plane gets back in and as soon you know how the plane pulls into the gate and everyone gets up to, you know, start getting their stuff out of the overhead bin. I'm in like the very last row or like the one row before the last row. And they come on the speaker and they say, uh, you know, we need everyone to sit back down and we need Christian Johnson to come to the front of the plane. So I'm like, oh man, like my hands start shaking. Like I know what's going on. So I walk up and, you know, the flight attendants say like, oh yeah, the, the tower requested that you um, be here at the front. Like, did you miss a flight or did you forget your luggage? And I'm just like, oh no. So they, you know, they open the plane door and it comes out and there's two police officers standing there to escort me off the plane. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that was, that, that, that was that you, trip. At least, at least you proved your point. At least yeah. you proved your point. And um, again, like looking back, that was a, a defining moment. It was something, you know, like without that, I don't think it was like, even though it was not, you know, I wouldn't recommend for anyone to do that, but like it showed like I was intense, like I was going to do whatever it took to try and say like, Hey, this is what I want to do. It's a very dramatic it. attempt at that. Yeah. No, I think that's great. Proof to yourself. And now look at you doing amazingly. Um, so you said over that summer you were contacting, you were growing your business. There's a lot of people out there wanting to start their own agencies. And obviously like things like SMMA are com- becoming massive at the moment. People are starting agencies left, right and center, but they're struggling to get their first clients. Um, how did you go about that initial client acquisition? What were your strategies? Oh, it was so bad back in the day, man. So um, yeah, like I, I got all of my clients like initially, like I didn't have money to spend on Facebook ads, like for us or like, uh, I was way too afraid to cold call, like deathly afraid. So excuse me, what I would do is because I already had like a, you know, a bigger Instagram presence, um, because that's what I did for the previous, you know, four years, I, uh, just started DMing people, anyone I could get my hands on. Um, and I would try and find like a common passion. So like I started networking with a lot of like the exotic car owners. I was like, Oh man, I love your car. Like, Hey, here's what I do. And my sales pitch was like so bad back in the day. And I would be like, Hey, like at the time, the only thing I do, like wasn't too familiar with Facebook ads. I was just trying to get clients to grow their Instagram. So that's all I was doing is I was connecting with them. I was like, Hey, look, like I built, you know, my Instagram up. I would find people that want to build theirs up, um, just all through DMing them. And that's pretty much all I did at the time. I was building like some websites here and there for a couple of clients. I would request it and they came out terrible at the time. But, um, I was just so fired up because for being outside of my comfort zone that like, I wasn't like, I, I didn't care if a thousand people told me no and one person told me yes. But whereas before I'd be, you know, because I was in my comfort zone, I, I, you know, whereas at this point everything was so foreign and like so unknown to me. And like, there was so much just like raw emotion going on at that time. Like I was just doing whatever it took. No, that's brilliant. And I obviously think, that's some people can definitely resonate with. They've just got to take it as it comes, do what you can stick at it. That's, I think that's the main thing. Just showing up, just showing up is key because people will get a lot of people will just drop out because they keep getting no, they keep getting no. But if you just keep showing up, that one client will eventually come along and then that will give you the motivation to carry on. So I think people will just need to take that point and run with it. Um, Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So now obviously you offer many more services and your client acquisitions obviously going to be much different. Yes. Are there are certain platforms you utilize now, or is it still the classic email cold calling and referrals? Yeah, no. So I actually, uh, what we do now, so it's kind of weird. So, uh, my agency sort of went like where we would offer just Instagram growth, right? Like we were very specialized and it's kind of like, Oh, we offer this, this, and this for any client that came our way. Like I was just trying to grow. Um, there's no structure, nothing like that. So went from like offering everything to everybody to now like 
very focused again. Um, so what we do now is like we, we primarily focus on roofing and solar lead generation. Uh, so, you know, roofing and solar companies. So we're very specific and we built out like certain technologies and a very specific solution. We have, you know, proven case studies and ROI for dozens of clients. So now what we do is we actually do like cold email funnels. Um, and then we retarget them if they view our webinar or our page through Facebook ads, which works extremely well. And then I also have a sales director in Florida, um, who's out there, you know, showing up to the roofing, uh, like, uh, conferences. So like I, I, I'm traveling, I'm actually up here in Philadelphia right now. I just came from New York and Miami before that. So I've just been like, bang, 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 um, going to all these, you know, very industry specific conferences to network with these business owners and sort of explain what we do in our services. Uh, and that is where we see, so like I've tried direct Facebook ads, we tried cold calling, we've tried cold emailing, we tried, you know, conferences, we've tried, uh, Instagram DMing still, like we have, you name it, we've tried it. I mean, we've tried LinkedIn ads, everything. And so we stick with, you know, like the 20% of things that work, they get us 80% of the results and just double down on those, which is cold emailing, retargeting with the Facebook ads, and then showing up to the events and creating that relationship base. No, that's brilliant. And I think that's people should definitely take from that. And ultimately, that's going to obviously help them grow. Um, sure. Are you in that certain niche because you actually find it interesting? Or are you there because it's where the margins are? I, I love that question. So it's a little bit of both, just honestly. So I'm very passionate about helping the, that industry. So a lot of people don't know about that industry specifically, like roofing and solar. Um, but there's like a lot of like BS that goes on in that industry and um, like a lot of scams and like uh, sort of like BS lead sources. So these people are, you know, the roofers at the end of the day, these are usually people that are older. Um, they think the internet doesn't work. They're like, oh, like Facebook, that doesn't work. Google, like, so they're, they're still out there. It's very like, whereas a lot of the other industries have been so affected by the internet, like, like people with like dental practices, like they already established that works, right? Like a lot of like agencies focus on dentists or lawyers or whatever it may be. This industry, it's the passion for me is like showing them, hey, this works. And then them coming back to me and like, hey, this completely changed my life because your business added X amount in revenue. And, you know, you, you proved to me that it works. So like, that's the passion, but also, yes, for sure. Like these are clients that they have a very high, high margin product. They have a very high ticket product and that allows us to charge high retainers. Um, so it's, it's a little bit of both, honestly. No, it's super interesting. Cause obviously it is much easier to sell something when you actually find it interesting. If you're solely in it, for the margins it's going to be much more difficult but you're actually interested in it so you clearly have when you go to these events and you're talking to clients you're actually able to interact better correct absolutely yeah oh 100 and so that's something that they appreciate so much is like you understand our business like i took the time to learn the roofing business the ins the outs like not just their marketing like i i can't tell you how to put a roof on i don't know that but i know how to interact with these business owners and what they've done before and you know like I've put in the time over the past year just to really understand, like if I, the, the way that I put myself is I put myself in their shoes. If I were a business owner, if I were to start a roofing business today, what would I need to know? And that's what I went out and I did. And I, I learned. And, you know, when you talk to them every day, it's easy to learn. But I also went out and I did the research on my own. Like, hey, like, what are the margins on a roof? What, where are the best markets? Like, what are their seasonal ups and downs? Like, what do you need in order to get into this business? What do most of them have? And you sort of morph all that, you know, you learn it with being in it, but you also learn it when I didn't know it and I had that first roofing client. 
I'm like, okay, I need to be able to talk to him about his business and understand his business objectively. That way he trusts me. Because if I go in and I try and, you know, I mean, something I know nothing about, like if I walk in to, a, let's just say like a dentist or not even a dentist, but um, I'm just looking out the window here, like a, a driveway company, like a concrete company, you know, I don't know the first thing about what concrete companies would do or how their business, how their business processes work, you know, what it, what most of the owners of those companies are like, like how their business is structured. So I'd have to learn all that to go in. And then when I, they can tell that I understand their business, they trust me and appreciate where I'm coming from so much more because they're like, okay, he gets it. He does not just here for the marketing side. He understands how it morphs into our, our entire business as a whole. Love it. Um, so what's your ultimate goal for your business? Do you think you're going to try and grow an empire like Gary V and Vayner Media, or are you quite happy with being this niche area? Do you think you could grow much bigger in this area or do you want to eventually branch back out into offering more services for different niches? Yeah, for sure. So, um, my opinion on that has recently changed. So I've, um, you know, I've been traveling a bit recently and really connecting with a lot of high level people, uh, going to like, you know, learning from them. So the way that I'll tell you now, and I'm sure that this will change in the future is staying niche where we are now and building other technology, other marketing solutions, sort of adapting to be the main player for the roofing and solar market, um, will allow me to be able to sell the business for, you know, a pretty high multiple. And it's something that people would want to, it's something that other marketing agencies would want to buy or, you know, sort of making it that specialized in that industry player. So there's a, a good case study on this. It's called Convertis. It's a Canadian uh, company. They did digital marketing for dealerships and sort of then built technology and solutions around that. And that just sold for over eight figures. So being that like a niche player in that specialized market, mean like and owning the market share, being able to create other solutions, another company is willing to come in, buy you out and continue to do those. So um, if, if I'm saying at this point now, I would probably say that, you know, this company will be bought out in the next few years once we gain even more market share and once we get even more specialized in. But being able to have it, worst case scenario, if it doesn't, like I'm, I'm also cool with that because I'm all about creating the best team, the best products and services that are actually going to help and be effective to our clients and then adding on more products from there. But, you know, if not, if I sold this company, you know, I can take what I learned from this, the sales, the building out the products, building out the team and actually apply that to another solution. So it's sort of, uh, I'll play it out and see how it goes. But if I had to, to guess right now, it'll probably be a buyout here in the next few years. I think it's super interesting as well, being in the, the solar space, because obviously global warming and finding different renewable energies is a huge thing at the moment. So these companies are popping up here, there and everywhere. So that's obviously a, yep. an advantage for you as well, because there's these new client opportunities coming on. So yeah, I, ca I can see it obviously growing even more for you. And then, as you say, that higher multiple when you actually sell is obviously going to be work in your favor massively. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, do you think you will then start with another niche industry or what's, what's your, what's your goal? What do you want to do with your life? For example, what do you want to end up doing? Where can you see yourself? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like my passion is just getting into the, like, no matter where I've been at in, you know, in my life or in, in business is just getting like so passionate about, Hey, who can I help? Like, and, and I know it sounds so cliche, like. I, I, I'm not a fan of when people are like, I want to help all 7 billion people, you know, like, 
do this. Like that's completely uh, like out of the spectrum. No, like I know I'm not going to impact every single li life on this earth. I'm not even going to impact 10% of them. You know what I mean? Like I'm being, but if I can help a thousand different roofing and solar business owners add an extra a hundred to a million dollars a year to their business, imagine what that does to people's lives, right? Like knowing that I have that much of an impact just through offering a marketing solution where like I could be sending their kids to, to college, right? Like just, it's not even a direct impact, but it's the indirect impact that I have on people's lives and, and how that's actually going to play out and affect them. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But actually getting in depth into the businesses is really where my passion lies. When I find something that I believe in so much and really craft the solution behind it, I just go all in. And that's where my passion lies is growing it from here. And uh, unlike a lot of other people, I don't know where I'll end up. You know, I'll, I know that it, you know, no matter what I'm doing, I'm always going to be all in on what I'm doing. That's what I know. Love that. I love that mentality. <laughs> as well. um, I want to change topics on the conversation a little bit. Um, when yeah. I reached out to you, you got me to forward the invite for this call to your virtual assistant. Yep. Um, what's the value of having this assistant in your life? And do you feel that now that you have more time and that you can be more efficient with your time, you can actually extract more value to your clients and your business? Yeah. So I love that question. So for what I pay my assistant, the, the ROI is insane. And so I'm going to even flip this question a little bit. So yeah. aside from just the time that it saves, because you know, everyone's aware of that, it adds a level of um, credibility that I've noticed to our clients of having that virtual assistant. So not to sound like a douchebag or, you know, not to be like, um, you know, like think I'm all that, like, the way that when you have like your client, like, and you're like, they're like, okay, it's an assistant involved. People respect my time more. So it's, you know, obviously everyone knows it, like, it saves time and it, it impacts and it's definitely worth, worth investing in for anyone who didn't do it, even if it's only a few hours. I mean, but it adds a little level of credibility and sort of like weeds people out and makes people respect my time more, which is infinitely more valuable. Right. So if I have a client and um, I'm like, okay, you know, like, like, you know, how did, let me ask you, like, let me flip the question on you. Like, how did you respond to it when I asked you to CC my assistant? I didn't do that, that, you know, in order to be like, Hey, look, I have an assistant, but he manages my schedule. Um, but how did that, you know, impact you? I thought it was, I was, I was, one, I was impressed because you had an assistant at such a young age. I know that's sort of like stereotyping a young person and their success, but the fact that you then came back and thought, okay, this guy is, this guy has his shit together. He's, put his time he's saving time this in this place so he's obviously putting that value somewhere else so i was actually really impressed it's obviously made me value your time like before i started this call i was conscious i was like do you need to be anywhere have you got anything else structured have you got anything else planned in for your day because i don't want to didn't want to take too much of your time because i didn't know how busy you were so i think that's definitely something that when you did respond with that to me i was like okay i better respect exactly. this guy and and so the clients or even potential clients have the exact same effect um yeah they value the time going in and they know like we're serious. We're not here to, you know, just BS around like, Hey, here's going to be the, like, um, the meeting agenda. So a lot of times, like if I have a meeting, I'll have uh, my assistant. So he sends over like a meeting agenda with a couple different bullet points saying, Hey, here's exactly what we're going to cover because I would go into meetings before and we'd just be all over the place. And like, you spend like 20 minutes just like catching up. Like it's cool. Like to build a relationship like that, but there's so much wasted time and you know, when you think about things in retrospect, like 
time is even though it's so cliche like time is so valuable like shoot like not to be like you know like like it's cool to catch up with, with your clients and everything but like cool like shoot me a text like we can respond at our leisure like let's not spend 20 minutes just talking about the weather and all this small talk you know because there's nothing that that effectively gets done from that like i am genuinely interested in building relationships and like hey like yeah like how's your kid doing like how you know how is he going through college like things like that like i'm genuinely interested because that allows me to connect and i, and I want to see people do well and i want to hear how they're doing but if we're just sitting around we're like hey like how are you doing how's this going like it's just not worth it no i watched a uh, really interesting youtube video by i don't know if you've heard of ryan sirhan he owns his own real estate yep. business he so basically when he spoke about time people when people ask you about time they say how do you spend your time that obviously implies that time is a currency and obviously there's 24 hours in a day that is your bank of time and then you choose how to spend your time like that time is value and that's obviously what i think people need to understand more like every minute you waste of your day you are you're spending that time you can't get that back so i think obviously think, thinking about time that concept think about time in that, that. No, and, and I suggest everyone goes and watches the video. It's one he released recently. It's super interesting. It obviously, it just, even though I sort of had that concept anyway, it switched, it, it flicked that switch in my mind. I thought, okay, that's a really good way of looking at it because you're not going to get that time back. You need to spend it in a way that, you know, is obviously going to help you and don't waste time because it is a currency. You, you have to spend it and you won't get it back. I but, love yeah. that. No, so definitely go watch that video whenever you get spare. I think it's 15 minutes. Whenever you get spare 15 minutes, it's definitely worth it. Um, I know I touched, didn't mean to touch it, but with age, do you feel as if, obviously you're very young and you are, I'm only young as well, so I completely understand. I'm 20, you're 18. Um, do you feel as if that's affected you going into business with these established business owners who obviously are making a lot of money? Do you think that it's been more difficult for them to take you seriously or obviously this is obviously how it's the v having the vas helped having that instant reaction to oh this guy's got his shit together he's got a va this sort of thing do you think but how do you feel as if your age has come up when you've gone into meetings do you think people have treated so, you differently yeah so uh, there's three ways that it happens one they either don't know right they don't know my age like they never connect with me in person like whatever it may be or they just assume like i'm young anyways and they don't care the second way or, you know, would be they understand that I'm young. Like, obviously you can tell that I'm young looking at me, like no fool in anyone, uh, but they know my age. Like they, then they start asking all these questions. They get super like passionate by like that right there could sell them because like, they're like, yeah. Oh my God, like, this is amazing. Like, I want to see you win. Like, this is incredible. Um, which I would say happens about 60% of the time, like more than not, most people, more than half the time, most people are like, how old are you? Like, man, that's amazing. This is incredible. Yeah. Um, and then the other part of it is like very, very few times they look at my age as a bad thing, but it happens. I mean, I'm telling you, I can count a handful of times, like on, on both hands, like very, very few times in the past, you know, since I've been you know doing business seriously, two, three years that, that that's happened. Um, and when it is, it's usually not the type of people I want to work with anyway, because the people that are successful that, you know, can afford our services or that are actually interested in doing business with us, they don't care about your age. They just care that you can get them results. They say, Hey, can you, can you get me results? Can you provide me value? Cool. Then why would I care about your age? And the, the successful people and the ones that we want to work with that can afford us or they're the ones that understand that. Right. 
the only people that I've noticed that really ever care about the age are the people that get resentful because maybe their business is failing or they don't have the business experience. And like, man, look at this kid walk in here and like, why didn't I do that? And then they get resentful, which those aren't the people that we want to work with anyway, because those aren't the high level people. Yeah, for sure. Do you get picky with clients at all? Do you say no? Um, uh, recently I have, I've said no, actually I, I was in, uh, in New York about, uh, I was in New York yesterday, the night before I was out with uh, one of my existing clients and, um, he's like, Hey, I want to, I want to introduce you to this guy and talk to him. And he's like, Hey, like, you know, here's what I have going on. And it was great money. I mean, it's, it would have been, you know, about 3000 retainer per month plus a percentage of ROAS. So, you know, it would have been a, a, probably a five figure client per month or right around there. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, like, I can't help you um due to the fact that you know th there's multiple times we say no but more th more often than not it's one we either i don't want to do business with the person um because for whatever reason you know there, there's multiple different reasons but either i don't trust them maybe they're doing something shady they have a shady past things like that um or it's just i i truly don't believe in their product like i think it's a bs product um which is the most of the time the reason i said no and, and the reason why i said no the other night is i i just didn't believe in this product no, that's cool. I like that. So you've dropped some amazing value. I've got three questions on three topics to round off the show that I ask everyone. Um, okay, cool. Three topics I don't think people talk about enough, which are money, relationships, and death. I know that sounds Ooh, quite more to end off the episode, but it's something that I like getting people's opinions on. So the first question to do with money is, what does the word success mean to you? Um, so I think it's subjective and I think it's subjective based on where you are in life, right? Like success is always going to change. Um, so when people ask to, to define success, it, it, for me, it would be, it's always going to change of what I think success is, but knowing that success is knowing that, Hey, like I'm where I want to be like, and, and it, that's so simple, but like, that's what it comes down to, right? Like if, it, if success is like, because it, you're once you achieve some level of success, right? Like first starting out, like let's say like most entrepreneurs, like oh, I want to hit a thousand per month. Well, then you hit that thousand per month. That's not success to you, right? Then it's ten k. I know people that like a, a guy that just sold his company for one hundred sixty-seven million. He's like, well, I'm you know I don't think I'm successful. I'll be successful when I build a billion-dollar company. So it's always subjective and it's always going to change. No, and I love that, and I think it's also important to set non-monetary goals as well so i was talking to someone the other day and they said even just about the little things in life like how many people do i make smile today like little things to reflect on like that so i think they're they're also very good goals to set for people that don't think about looking at goals in that aspect um, for sure my next question is to do with relationships obviously you're young so you might not have had as much experience with this with regards to like the older entrepreneurs and business owners but we can relate it to you said you moved schools and obviously when you moved you didn't know many people did you find it difficult to make new friends obviously being so busy with work and then obviously people probably knew you were successful so they did you find it hard then depicting whether they wanted to be friends with you because of what you had business or money wise or did you no. think so so when I moved schools I literally only went for that one day um, yeah. other than that, I was like, literally it was just that one day, the next day I ran away and then I didn't go back to school, um, ever. But the way that I would relate that question, you know, like 
the growing up, it was sort of uh, people, people saw where I was, you know, at least in school, like people, because right, like they saw me like at the time, let's just say, you know, freelancing, let's say I'm making like three to $500 per month in high school. Like that's amazing. Right. Like, yeah. So, but it, they, I was just more of like, I kept that away, but you know, kids knew like, uh, like at least my close friends, like what I was doing. Um, the, the way that I would phrase like that question, I would answer that question to you is it was hard for me. What, one thing that I did is, uh, um, one thing that I did is as soon as, so I would have started high school. Uh, it was August 1st, actually of 2017, August 26th. So, you know, fresh out of high school at this point, I'm still like that high school mentality. I went and I got a hot desk membership at WeWork. Could just barely afford it at the time. Um, but I was like, hey, like if I'm gonna get out of that high school mentality, I need to put myself in a, in a business world. So I'm like, hey, I need to get an office. But obviously I couldn't afford an office. So I, I got a hot desk at, at WeWork. Um, and I created like business relationships with people, but everyone would see me and they'd be like, what is this kid doing here? Right at first. Now it's like looking back, it was the best thing I did because it, it forced me to get into that business mindset. I would hear people talk. People would be like, hey, what do you do? And I would tell them at the time. And it would really cause me to morph into the person that I was based on not being able to, right at the time, like I didn't fit in with the with this business crowd. So I had to learn to like morph to my environment and actually be able to fit in with the business crowd, see how people interacted, like create those relationships and be like, hey, like, okay, this is how people talk. This is what people talk about. This is how people act and respond. This is how people dress um, and really fit into that environment. Did you fill out of your comfort zone when you went into that WeWork office? 100%. 100%. I mean, here comes in, you know, a, a kid wearing um, like, you know, like whatever I was wearing, like a pair of like KDs or LeBrons come walking in the door next to guys in suits and shirts and ties. And I'm like, oh shoot, like something's got to change here, right? Like I, I looked young now, you know, it, like, and again, like I'm all about not necessarily like, oh, like you got to fit in and like all oh, that, that BS, but you definitely have to like, you know, look and act the part if you want to be respected and create those relationships. If not, people, you know, if you, if you take someone out of like, um like the music scene and you try and put them in with like Wall Street bankers, like people are gonna be like, what are you doing here? You know what I mean? So and that's how, you know, you sort of create and morph those relationships. But I had to learn that by just throwing myself in, which looking back was the best thing I could have done at that point. No, and that obviously clearly helped you when interacting with these people later on when obviously talking in client with clients in meetings and things like that, because you've thrown yourself into that zone you didn't really know before and then learned from it and then ran with it, which is Appreciate amazing. It. And I congratulate you for that because obviously you're doing extremely well. Um, Final question, very simple. Are you afraid of dying? Oh, no. Um, and I have an interesting story on that. So I had like a, a someone that I wasn't even close with. He was like my, like, grand, like my dad's real dad's grandfather. I've only met him like twice. And when he died, when I was like 12, like it kept me up at night. Like I like tried to like understand the concept of death and like it, it, it scared me like crazy um right but there's a ted talk I, I believe and it's like here's why you shouldn't be afraid of death i believe it was a ted talk or maybe it was something else but i watched something it's like well you shouldn't be afraid of death and it was alan watts actually if you're familiar with him um he's like why are you afraid of death because when you're dead like you have no feelings you have you know there's there's nothing there but 
I'm not afraid of dying, but what I'm afraid of, and this is what's like very impactful to me and I think can inspire a lot of other people to think about it. I'm, I'm afraid of dying before I achieve what I want to achieve. Right. Yes. Like that scares me because like, I know that I'm conscious. Like if, if I were to, you know, I, like get cancer tomorrow. Right. And like, I knew I was going to die. Like that's what keeps me going is like knowing, like if I had to deal with like knowing that I was going to pass away and I didn't achieve the things that I wanted and I didn't set out and actually like do those things where I, I really just didn't give it my all. Like, I just like, if I would have been like, Oh, you know, like I went to school and I went and got a job and then I realized that's not what I wanted to do. And then like, they were like, Oh, well, you know, you're gonna be dying. Like you're diagnosed with cancer. You have six months to live. Like that would hurt me way more than knowing I was actually going to die. If that would make sense. Man, I love that. Cause that's exactly my mentality on that question as well. That's if someone asked, if someone asked me, that's exactly what I say. The most <laughs> the thing I'm afraid of is not achieving what I know I can achieve sort of thing. Yep. Yep. 100%. And like, that is so, that's probably my absolute biggest fear. Like if like you, and you know, I don't know how you are with it, but like, if I get into that mindset, like where it happens and I, if I get into that mindset, like, uh, you know, before I go to bed, like I won't be able to sleep that night. Like I'll just get up, I'll get my laptop. I'll start. Like it's, it, it brings so much passion and like just raw, like force out of you, at least for me, like that. I just, nothing becomes in the way at that point. Yeah. I could not agree more. <laughs> Dude, you've dropped some amazing value this episode. Where can our listeners follow up with you? What social platforms are you on? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. I took a few of the posts down. I'm kind of here and there. I, I still am active. So if you, anyone has any questions, DM me. It's the Mr. Boss, the MR Boss. So any final words of wisdom for the listeners? Something to round off the show? Man, I mean, I don't know what to follow up with except for like, you know, to like if you're not gonna if you're gonna go out and you're gonna die before you know what you can achieve and you're gonna live not like not live up to that potential i think like that's the ultimate thing you could like that's the worst thing you could do to to yourself like what like what like literally what is worse than knowing that you had this life and you did not live up to your potential you did not impact as many people as you can impact you did not build what you know you could build or had the potential to build all because you wanted some temporary sort of comfort, right? Because that's all it comes down to. It's either you don't do it because you're afraid. And if you're not afraid, then you're living within your comfort. And what is that temporary comfort if you're going to die in the end? That's how I look at it. There we go, guys. Kristen, thank you for being on the show. And everyone, thank you for listening to this episode of CEO Journals. I just wanted to thank you all for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I'll leave all the relevant links mentioned in the show notes below. That's going to include the guests and my own Instagram handle where you can reach out to us with any questions you may have. In the show notes will also be any useful resources the guest or myself may have mentioned throughout the episode, so definitely check those out. I'd really appreciate it if you hit the subscribe button. It's only going to take a couple of seconds. If you do, it means you're going to be notified whenever I post a new episode. I'd also love if you could leave your thoughts in the rating and review section. I'm going to be reading all of these and it will help me understand what all of you are actually interested in. Leaving a rating and review will also help the podcast reach even more people, which only means better guests for all you listeners. Have a wonderful rest of your day and thank you again for listening to CEO Journals.